All right. So I say this all the time, but I am I am so excited. I'm so hyped for today's interview. I'm I, I'll get into his bio and stuff in a minute, but we have Casey Stanton who has like defined the fractional CMO role. And Casey, let's let's dive in with our first question to kick us off. Everything about marketing seems to be changing fast. Like there's the pandemic, there's remote work, virtual companies, like heavy, heavy outsourcing. Now it's like AI everything. Mm -hmm. So how is the fractional CMO role uniquely positioned to stick around and even grow in value through all the changes that we're seeing right now? Yeah, great question. So companies right now, so if you think of companies kind of of all sizes, but most specifically the companies that I, I, I'm i the most excited about are those that are doing, let's say between five and 50 million a year. Um, those companies need marketing. We know that to be true. We know that the pandemic has created a, a, a unique force that has forced um, companies to adopt better marketing practices if they want to stay competitive because any uh, walk-in traffic got obliterated for like two years and it's maybe slowly coming back, but still um, they've realized that they need this marketing. And then chat GPT came and now uh, there's more content produced than ever before. Uh, maybe the SERPs are changing the way that their algorithms work based on some of the content that, uh, that's getting produced with um, these AIs and everything's changing. What do companies need though? They need a marketing leader. That's what they need. Above it all, Roy, they need a marketing yes. leader who will build their team, identify the big goals with the executive team, like say, hey, CEO, where are we taking the ship? And the CEO says, we're going there. And then this marketing leader can kind of fight them and say, I think we should go here based on what I know. And then you guys come up with like, you know, your mutual uh, um, kind of understanding of where you're going. And then it is the CMO's role to drive that company forward. And that's regardless of any technology changes. It doesn't matter if webinars stop working or if upsells kind of uh, um, like are out of vogue or whatever the thing is, it doesn't matter. That only matters to the tactician. What matters to the CMO is the success of the business in creating enterprise value, which I'll tell you is way more fun than just building uh, like a simple, you know, a single webinar funnel that maybe in three months is no longer valid because the super cheap traffic that you're getting from Taboola is now no longer super cheap, or you can't pull that traffic from um, Yahoo, Gemini, or whatever. God, I love this. Oh, this is this is going to be a good conversation. Um, okay, so formal intro. Casey is the founder of CMOX. He wrote the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Fractional CMO Method. Yeah, yeah I, I have it on my phone. It's available as an audiobook too. It's available as an ebook. We'll talk about it. I read actually. the audiobook too. If anyone likes my voice and they want to hear more of it, man, if you play it on half speed, my voice goes down in tone. And then if you listen at night, it's like I'm talking to you like to sleep in bed. It's really, really gentle. <laughs> See, I, I I just get jacked up in the morning by listening to you at two point two or whatever. Oh, there you go, great man. That's cool. uh, so so uh, let's see. Casey lives in Philadelphia. He's married. He has two kids, and he's pretty damn happy about life. Which I hear this all the time when listening to his podcast and and all of that. Like it's it. This is just living your best life. Mm. Um, and and I really appreciate that. Like that comes through how maybe partially this role can help you feel that way. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, but I want to go back. I want to go back when I reached out and asked you to be on breakthrough marketing secrets. It turned out we've had like a long time connection, right? Yeah. Like I've, I've actually known about your name for a long time. I think maybe through like you'd done some work with Paris Lampropolis or something. Paris wrote the forward to my book. Yeah. 
Yes, he did. Yeah. He did. Um, this is a great selling point for copywriters. Uh, so, so you said, I remember you writing the sales letter for Titan's big live event a long time ago. I actually paid for that event from my first fractional CMO gig, the first check. So full Before circle I even moment. provided the service, I charged the client. I, it was like $5,000. I took that check and I was like, oh, I got to go to Titan's. And I just cashed the check and I went around and I sent that money right to Brian. I think it was five grand, maybe it was 7,500, whatever the cost of entry was. But I scraped every dollar I had to make that event happen. And man, that was a, that was a pivotal event. Awesome. So my, my big question, the one thing before we get back to the fractional CMO stuff, my big question about Titans, what's one lesson, one lesson that you took away from that event that's continued to make you a better marketer today? Totally easy. Uh, clearly, David Deutsch on stage, I ask a question. I had like Robert Scrobe sitting on one side of me and I had Joe Polish on the other side of me. I was just like tickled to be kind of among these really great marketers, right? Like just surrounding us. We're just such solid people. And um, uh, uh, David Deutsch on stage, I asked him, I said, when you go and like write a package, write copy for a client, how do you figure out what they've done before and everything? Like, how, how do you under, like what marketers tend to do is they kind of like cowboy into a place and they think they know what they're doing and they just kind of um, build out something that they think is right, but they really haven't assessed the um, assets that exist in the business. So, what he said to me, and it's a visual that stuck with me, like clearly to this day, is he's like, I bring a box in to the office, to the client's office, and I fill it full of stuff. And then I take it home and that's what I consume. And that's what I learned from. I look at their past mailers. I look at anything that they send to the clients. I look at all their you know, front-end marketing, back-end marketing, fulfillment stuff. All of it, he gets a, a physical copy of and lays it out on his desk. I love that idea so much. And I have a, a tendency to not be in one place for very long, right? Just like traveling. So I could never yeah. get the physical stuff. And frankly, um, despite loving going to people's offices and stuff, given the opportunity of flying out to a client, meeting them in person, getting dressed up, doing all that, or just like putting on a clean shirt and doing it at my computer, <laughs> I, I'll just do the computer stuff. So I wanted yeah. to figure out a digital way to do what David did in person. And I came up with an asset audit questionnaire. It's the first thing you do. It's a fractional CMO. When you sign in with a client is the first paperwork that you send them after the contract and after they pay for your retainer, you send them a questionnaire and you say, what you got? Like, what do you have? And I asked them weird questions. I was like, do you maybe have an ex partner who now works at the company that owns the list for all of the people that you sell to? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, um, do you by chance have like years worth of attendee email addresses from a conference that you go to? I said, no. So you kind of feel like, hmm, maybe they don't have anything. And they're like, well, but actually what we do have is a list of all of our competitors, customers that yada, yada, yada. And you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. So that becomes an asset that you put on the table. And as you make your strategy for the business, that becomes one of the tools that they give you. You have all the tools that you bring plus the tools that they kind of have. Um, and that's what you construct this bespoke marketing strategy with. So uh, just as a, as a quick aside, one of the things that I love about you is you're clearly like a process driven person and you find processes that work. And um, for example, you have your, you have your uh, delegation framework mm -hmm. that I, I saw, I saw it. Like I have my own version of Dan Sullivan's impact filter yeah, right. because it's a great thinking tool. And you said, okay, how can we use this for delegation? Yeah. And so you took 
the inspiration from that and then directed it in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just full of those processes and those processes are how we like do the right thinking and get repeatable results. And I just, I want to appreciate that for a second yeah. here, but it, it comes from a place of um, uh, like necessity because I actually don't like process. Um, okay. Colby scale. Are you familiar with the Colby? Yes. Code yes. Of assessment, right? So I'm a nine on the quick start and a one on the follow through. <laughs> so I have like no follow. I'm like as low on follow through as possible. There's no zero, right? And there's no, yeah. maybe there's a 10 on quick start, but like, I'm pretty kind of um, wacky in that way. So I have to have these events that are immediate after something happens so that it can get out of my brain so that I can have a clean slate so that I can be myself, which is this, yeah, you know, fast acting kind of, um, you know, in a good way, creative and in a bad way, totally destructive because I reinvent all the time. So that process, I hired a guy named Raphael still works with me. I love him. Um, and he kind of saddled up with me when I built my fractional CMO practice. And I said, Raph, I don't know why I need you, but I need you. And he started taking over things like email booking, uh, booking calls, uh, from like clients and stuff like rebooking calls, whatever, uh, handling, um, just kind of like the, the boring stuff that wasn't exciting for me, taking notes, following up with notes after calls, uh, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And then started creating process documents based on what I was doing. And we've gotten to a point right now where I can just record him an audio. He'll make the document. I'll redline a little bit. And then he'll send it back to the designer, send me back the final version and it'll be done. It'll be perfect. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's amazing to have that um, ability to just dump everything in your mind and then know with certainty that it will get uh, completed. That's, that's, that's excellent. And the, the net result is for everybody who follows your methods, there is, there is a starting point, right? Like there's, there's the, the next level of iteration that can stand on the shoulders of giants. So I'm going to brag for you before we get into like the nitty gritty about being a fractional CMO. Go ahead. I'll just sit back. Yeah. You you actually sent out uh, an email, I think yesterday, recent wins, recent wins in the last 30 days. And, you know, for anybody who is weighing this whole idea of like, oh, as a fractional CMO, an interesting opportunity. Uh, I'm going to hit these quick. A former copywriter became the fractional CMO for a portfolio of companies. Yes, multiples at a private equity company. An agency owner scored her first $10,000 half-day consult inside her first two months in the accelerator with the possibility of that becoming $5,000 a month as a fractional CMO. Uh, agency owner closed his first fractional CMO client at $10,000 a month with a real estate SaaS company. Mm-hmm. Uh, he predicts that there's, oh, he, he got a yes on a second one that's going to be similar size, all within 21 days. <laughs> yeah, right. He was, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's another one who has a, a client that's turning into a $3,000 a month. Uh, Canadian member sold her first five-figure half-day consult. Uh, uh, Two members are launching websites uh, based on your plug and play website template, which is another one of those processes where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you have to make it your own, but here's the framework, right? Yeah, no blank so, page syndrome for sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, Casey, what's up? What's up with this whole fractional CMO thing? Like, how is this? How's this happening? Yeah. So, okay. So, companies need a chief marketing officer now more than ever before, and everyone wants. Everyone who's like playing business, who's like has a business, wants to have everything. Okay. Yes. Why wouldn't they? Like they want to have a lawyer that they can call when they need to, right? I've got a lawyer. The lawyer does not work in my office, which I work from home, right? Um, I just have a lawyer that I call when I need them. It's it's a beautiful relationship, right? 
Um, yeah. Everyone wants a chief financial officer. Like that makes sense. Like people want that, right? But does your business require those hires as a full time? For some businesses, the answer is yes. For yeah. other businesses, the answer is not right now, but in the future, I will. And then there's a third set of businesses that says they'll never need the full time. They just yeah. never will. It's not like the, their business is going to grow to a point where they're going to need to staff full-time people and get like a proper office, you know, downtown where everyone wears like a suit and tie. Like that's, yeah. that's not going to happen. So it's it's those businesses kind of through that spectrum that want the leadership of the C-suite, CEO, CFO, COO, CMO, um, maybe CRO, Chief Revenue Officer. They want that, but they just don't need to pay for the whole person. They don't need to pay the full-time salary, which is expensive. A full-time CMO, uh, I just pulled a, a salary comp um, like two weeks ago, uh, and the average salary for a CMO, excuse me, the 50th percentile, not average, is something like $260,000 in the United States. And that's before um, full comp. That's before any kind of uh, equity or RSUs or benefits. Yeah, it's just base. Like that. That's it's just base. base. So a fractional CMO can come in and act as a CMO, has the same rights and privileges, has same control over the budget, same control over our hiring and firing, and a, seat, a true seat on the executive level. And they just don't have to work 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 hours a week because the company just doesn't need it. So the model yeah. that I kind of found um, is be the CMO, only work, let's say, in a certain model, 10 hours a week. And then have really great staff members that are full-time employees of that client that do what you ask them to do. They need yeah. you to take that space that, to, to be that person in between the CEO or the C-suite and the team, um, someone who's vying for the success of the organization, but also understands the reality of the marketing team and can like champion and push people forward to, to achieve really big outcomes. Yeah. So like the the heavy lifting of the CMO role for one of these companies that's maybe in that five to fifty million dollar range, and obviously things like margin and all of that yeah. are going to make a difference, right? Sure. Um, but but the heavy lifting of that job is largely in the. Uh, I keep thinking of it, thinking of it like uh, the captain of a ship. Like mm -hmm. uh, the 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 CEO is the person who like hires the ship, right? Um, and says, "I want to go here." Right. And from I think the, of them on the top of the mast, just all they have is a binocular, right? They're yeah. just looking and saying, that's land. And and the 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 captain of the great ship marketing uh, says, by the way, if I ever get a boat, maybe I should call it the great ship marketing. That's good. <laughs> uh, the, the, the captain of the, the the boat says, okay, here's what we need to do to get there. Yeah. And you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And that role doesn't have to be a 40 hour a week role and right. gets very expensive for a lot of these companies if it is 40 hours a week. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, for some companies that can be an hour a week, yeah. two hours a week. And for some companies, maybe it's more, maybe it's 10 hours or something like that. But I think moreover so, too, like right now with the current environment, Yahoo stated today, we're recording this on Valentine's Day, um, 2023, that they're laying off 20% of their workforce. <laughs> Huge, right? Yeah. Like, um, private equity companies are dropping folks right now pretty heavy. Uh, PayPal just did a 7% layoff two weeks ago. Like it's it's significant what's happening in the market. These companies are pulling back on spending. Some of them are more um, sensitive to, let's say, Fed interest rate hikes and things like that. So they're yeah. going to correct a little differently. 
maybe more aggressively, but I think we're going through like a general tech bubble popping and we're seeing a full correction there. So these companies don't want, and, and those are like major, you know, blue chip companies. We're not really talking about those, but their behavior kind of trickles down. So smaller companies, five to 50 million a year, they don't want to take those risks of overstaffing. They don't yes. want a full-time employee because if they have to lay off that employee, they have to pay severance. Yeah. At least in the States. I, I assume in Canada too, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, it, it it absolutely makes sense. So it's a way to, to de-risk that role. Yes. De-risking is actually something I've talked talked a lot about with copywriters, like de-risk the transaction. Yeah. Um, that that you know, one of the reasons somebody will pay twenty thousand dollars for an A-list copywriter versus two thousand times ten for C-list copywriters oh. is because there's actually less risk in paying twenty thousand for the A-lister. Mm -hmm. Fair. Um, yeah. Or you know, in this case, de-risking by having somebody come in as a fractional CMO as opposed to a full-time CMO. So, and even fractional is um, an interim. So yes. fractional for a year or two years and then hire a full-time. That might be the arc for the company. And it's not a negative reflection on the fractional CMO. It just may be that at some point, the company grows in such an enterprise way that they outpace the value that the fractional provides. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of people say, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. There's this role, but maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm not like, I don't have the skills yet. I don't know. Like, so who makes a good fractional CMO who can step up and succeed in that role versus, uh, versus, you know, who might have some big challenges, right? Yeah. Great question. So, um, I mean, it's easy to say that someone who's a current CMO full-time who has been making their client rich, which is great. And they've earned their stripes that way. And now they say, actually, I want to go work with multiple clients and help all them and capture more of that value. Um, yeah. That, that certainly happens. We have CMOs that come in, like great CMOs, people who have um, Fortune 500 experience, you know, like pretty serious people, uh, people worldwide. We've got a woman in from Ukraine. We've got folks in from Europe, you know, just lots of different folks with big experience. But then you have the people, I don't know, Roy, kind of like you and me, right? Like a little savvier, a little more uh, boots on the ground, um, someone who knows the difference between uh, the functionality of MailChimp and Sendinblue, you know, right. like someone who just has a different level of experience, a copywriter who really understands that tactic of copywriting. Yes. And there's, I think, a tremendous amount of value there because what often happens with CMOs is just, I like roll my eyes, right? Like a, a big time CMO will go into a company and their hack will be what agency they hire to deploy the labor. And like, okay, that's sure. That makes sense. If you're the CMO of McDonald's and you have a $1 billion budget, yeah. but like, you know, these clients that are five to 50 million, they don't have that kind of budget. So I think that the CMO should build a team inside the client's business. So aim to hire full-time employees, maybe pull in some contractors, maybe pull in some uh, agencies as needed for specific things and build a true marketing department. So yeah. the people who do well are the people who like to stay strategic. We have a line, it's solve bigger problems. Yes. Uh, right, that's the big thing. Solve yes, bigger yes. problems. Uh, I, have a, I have a poster for it up here. I gotta get something that I can show off. But that's ultimately what people want. They just want to solve bigger problems um, because the bigger the problem that you solve, the bigger your paycheck is for it. 
as long as there's no one in between you and the problem, right? That's like capturing part of that paycheck, like an agency owner and you work for the agency. So who is a good fit? It's someone who wants to be strategic, who wants to solve big problems, who's willing to kind of go through the fire of maybe some uncomfortable conversations with an executive. It's like when you roll up with the executive, you like roll your sleeves up. You're like, this is going to be bloody. We're starting as friends and we're leaving as friends, but in the middle, it might get real messy. Because yeah, yeah. they're going to demand some stuff and you got to call them out where they're not seeing things clearly or they have a fairy tale about what they think is possible with advertising or whatever. And you or said, their 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 pet project that they want to, uh, not speaking from experience here, their pet oh. project that they've already lost $150,000 on and they want to invest another $150,000 even though it's And they don't appreciate the, the mental model the of uh, sunk cost, right? The sunk cost fallacy. Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you Uh, have to be able to like stand in that power of like calling them out and like really being an equal to them. Like you're not an equal, you are employed by the CEO, but the CEO generally speaking is surrounded by yes men and yes women. Yes. And you are not that person. So you got to stand up. You got to say, this is what we need. You have to declare it and you have to fight like hell. I see it oftentimes as like, a war effort. Sometimes there's a war with the marketing department, with the executive team, and sometimes there's a war with the market. Yeah. Uh, So you have to be willing to uh, fight for what's right. Uh, And right is maybe equitable, making sure people get paid what they're due, and also understanding what the business needs in order to be successful. You know, I'm a huge fan of vying for people to have vacation time. I want I want all of my teams to have vacation time. I want them to take it. And if they don't take it, I want them to feel a sense of like frustrate. Like I want them to be, I want to be frustrated with them. And I want them to feel a sense of like, um, like pressure because like I want them to have have that space. And then when they show up, I want all of their energy. Yes. I'm not going to text you at night or on the weekends, unless it's an emergency. And we have a kind of an agreement on that, but like, I want your focus when you're focused and I don't want you when I don't want you. Very black and white on that. And if you can build that with clear outcomes for a marketing department, you just rally a team that is potentially very capable who have been, uh, I think of the the image from essentialism. I don't know if you know it. It's a circle, it says energy, and it's like 30 dots all in like, or 30 arrows all in different directions. Saying like you go nowhere versus one arrow in one direction that's super long. Um, Yes. That's what you want. You want to focus that energy and, and deliver Fewer outcomes, but bigger outcomes reduces the day-to-day pressure and it increases, I think, the again, the enterprise value of the business. That's what you want. Systems create enterprise value. A spastic CEO who throws out new ideas every single week and tries to brainstorm all the time isn't creating enterprise value. They're just creating labor, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. So in this context, I told you before the call started that most of my audience is copywriter entrepreneurs. Like you mentioned, yeah. David Deutsch, you, you know, Paris, like, you know who the copywriter entrepreneur is. Um, and in fact, in the in the forward year book, Paris said that, um, that he was actually delighted to write the forward because, because he said most people think of him as this A-list copywriter, which he absolutely is. But I think he said something like three quarters of his income is actually because he has played this role, maybe without the name of being a fractional CMO. So why would someone stop being a copywriter and become a fractional CMO or use this maybe 
in a similar way to Paris? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, there is nothing wrong with being a copywriter. And I would say, like, I mean, if I look back at like what got me into marketing, it's copywriting. The back of Boys Life magazine, small space ad, and for like $4.95, I could send off to get the plans to build a hovercraft. And all I needed was like three uh, Folgers coffee cans and my dad's uh, leaf blower. Like, just delighted me as a child. Like, still, it brings about a feeling of just like so much, I don't know, excitement and eagerness. So I fell in love with copy first. Copy first. Um, Yes. And I did some copywriting for some clients along the way uh, when I worked at an agency. And what I found was that it takes a mature organization to just need copy from a copywriter. I talked to a copywriter that um, you and I both know that we were chatting about before this. And he said that he recently was approached by one of his clients um, to identify a new supplement to sell, figure out the secret ingredient, write all the copy for it, and lay out all the funnels for it. So basically, I don't know about you, do man. all the work. Yeah. And like, what are they going to do? Just like pay them? Like, just, just pay yeah. them like a flat rate for it? Like, that's not a copywriter. Yeah. You know, that's that's like a funnel builder. Um, but then you get into this, this I think, um, nuance, which is really important for copywriters to know, because I think you all fall into these businesses more often than other folks do, which is the difference between a offer owner or a series of offer and a business. Yeah, You can think of people, I'm sure, that just have offers. Maybe one good offer that makes them a ton of money, but it's just an offer. It's not a business, right? So it's like, they're going to try this new copy thing. They're going to try this other thing. They're going to try this new ad thing. They're going to work on split testing their website. But like, it's just one offer and there's no um, depth of, of value that they provide to the client beyond that offer. There's no true, meaningful upsell, downsell, uh, continuity, whatever. Yeah. So when you work with those kind of companies, um, copywriters will get pulled into them because oftentimes you as a copywriter are like the secret ingredient. You're the missing piece to a successful launch. I think it's more fun to work in a business that has Again, enterprise value, which means that it's growing in value and growing in valuation because at some point it could be sold in the future. And there's plenty of companies like private equity is huge right now. They've got a bunch of capital and they're looking to deploy it into buying businesses, rolling them up, whatever. So um, copywriters are probably giving marketing strategy away for free. Yeah. They're probably laying out funnel design and um, coming up with upsells and downsells. And they're probably even suggesting sometimes maybe inappropriately the technology to use. Yeah. And like, oh, we should just use ClickFunnels for this or let's throw in ThriveCard or whatever. But they're at, at, at the worst, those copywriters are not um, thinking through the full business and what actually makes sense. And is that really the right tool? And are they doing a true kind of due diligence around the technology? So are they establishing the wrong tech long-term for their client? Like that's, you know, that's not great. Um, yeah. You know, and and on the opposite side, um, let's say they're wildly successful, the gig's over once it's over, and then the client yeah. just has the copy and like the funnel, and then like the copywriter's like, okay, call me when you have your next idea. The fractional CMO, on the other hand, has the longest term engagement because they are the chief executive in marketing. They're running the marketing strategy. They're pulling in the copywriters, never themselves writing the copy. Um, yeah. And I'll just say, if anyone here is listening and they're like, I want to be a fractional CMO and a copywriter, cool, two separate businesses. And the person who writes the copy, even if it's you, just I would just suggest that you have an alter ego for it, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, fair I, enough. 
Yeah, right. Well, because it's easy, it's easy to get mired in the in the whole copywriting process. And it's easy yeah. to spend three months on the tactical, like what word comes next, right? Sure. Um so which I, is I enormously love... valuable. Like it's it's not to yes. say that copywriting is invaluable, it's just that the more valuable thing is the whole thing, and copy yeah. is a component of it. If you want to stay in that component and be a copywriter, you just gotta be really damn good. That's what it yeah, is. You yeah. got to network well. You have to have really good social proof. You got to be outreaching regularly to people who want copy or who pay for copy, like uh, what you offer. You should probably get into masterminds. But if you want to move to the next level, and this is the thing that changed everything for me, which was I went from having very short-term contracts, one month, two month, three month, to having six-month contracts that renewed for years and years on end. Yeah. And my income went from like, I used to have really great months, and then I used to have terrible months for like two, three, four months. And like, you know, my girlfriend- Feast or famine. Do total. Yeah. Um, yeah. My my now wife, she would be like, like we can't have a family on this income. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but like the high income, we can have an incredible life. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Realistically, you had two of those months last year. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. You get that you get that one month where that huge check shows up, and then the next month it's like, oh, crickets. Um, yeah. yeah. So so I love these 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 two like guiding principles for what a fractional CMO actually does, and and I want you to speak to them. So uh, one is solve bigger problems, yep. and two is delegate everything except, and this this goes back to that copywriter, right? Delegate everything except leadership. Yeah. Um. So, like, what makes that combo so magical and powerful and yeah so i i have a couple lines that i keep on my wall and these are like kind of my personal lines um uh and solve bigger problems was the first one i was yes. like racking my brain thinking why 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 are my contracts so short-lived i'm so good like i'm good at what i do just trust me client just keep paying me and i'll make something yeah. happen but what i realized was i was just like i was just like out of tactics you know, I, yeah. I showed up with my tool belt and I used all my tools on all the problems I could see. And what I was failing to do was look a meta level above where I was. Yeah. And I saw the people who were there. And they're not better than me inherently, right? No. They might have some new different tools or ways to do things, but like what they have, I could figure out, you know? It took me years to figure it out, but I realized that the answer is just that the CMO is the longest serving role in, uh, excuse me, the, the highest leverage role in marketing. It's the highest level. It's the one that creates the most outcome. And when I would be asked by a client, what do you think about pricing at $19 versus 17? What's your take on that? And let's have an hour long discussion about it. The big problem to solve is no, let's just run a split test. We can yeah. have that deployed tomorrow. What else do you want to talk about that actually matters? You know, yeah. what's, the, what's the big thing? What's the partnership? What's the acquisition? What's the um, email campaign that we can do in the first 30 days to drive engagement up? Uh, how is uh, email deliverability? Like when you ask these big questions, they tend to produce outsized results. So that's yes. the first one. And um, I, I just kind of find myself still with a habit of getting mired in the detail, right? I'm not, yeah. I'm not perfect. Um, I volunteer with a, with a really wonderful nonprofit. And I spend way too much time in the detail. And the reason I spend time in that detail is because they don't have the staff to do the work and I want speed. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it myself. Right. Sometimes you feel that way, but if you really want leverage long-term, you need to be able to do the second thing, which is delegate everything except leadership. 
So your yes. first 30 days, your first maybe three months with a client, they're hairy. The client yeah. doesn't have focus. Maybe the executive is that fast, rapidly changing priority executive. And you're kind of just annoyed by that. And you're just trying to say to them, Roy, stop, stop sharing ideas. You're done. <laughs> you know, there's like, this is a roulette table. I wave my arm over. No more bets, right? Like we're done here. Yeah. March 31st, I'll ask you for your ideas for the next quarter and we can lock those in for the next quarter, right? So yeah. you like work through that for the first 30, 60, 90 days and you just try to simplify what the outcomes are and you build foundation. But once that foundation is built, you have people that are in the right roles that clearly know what they're doing. I've got this wonderful process. It's called, what are you solving for? And you work with each direct report that you have and you say, Roy, in your role, what are you solving for? Let's come up with the big five problems that you're solving. And these are the problems that you will likely solve for your whole tenure of the organization. What are they? And you say, yeah. as you know, let's say you're like a marketer in the company, you say, well, I uh, attract new leads. I get them to buy the first product. I get them to buy the second product uh, and I get referrals. So those are your four problems. What's all the ways that you think that you can solve them? Here are all the ways yeah. that I think you could solve them. And then every quarter you renew that list. It's a working document. And then each quarter you grab one of those ideas and deploy it and deploy it. So they're chipping away at the same problem, but solving it in a better way. Yeah. I might start off first by having a CRM, getting analytics and set up, migrating to GA4, um, getting uh, Facebook ads live, whatever. But then the next quarter, it's about iterating more ads, uh, you know, one new ad a week, that kind of thing, one new ad a day. You kind of like, move on from those things over time and get bigger and better outcomes. And that's where you're delegating everything except for the leadership, because the people know what they have to do to be successful and yeah. lead them on that. That's, that's excellent. Um, and, and I love that it's, I, I mean, you just laid out, um, but obviously it could go deeper the, the process by which that happens. I mean, you, you identify what are you solving for? What are you going to do today? What action items mm -hmm. uh, are, are going to lead to a better solution? Or at least are we test like what tests can we do? Right. Because yeah, right. in marketing, so much of it is testing, right? What can we test this quarter? Test testing is testing is a rich man's, you know, a rich person's um uh, opportunity. So many companies don't get to testing because yeah. they don't have a core offer. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like they're like, my business is to sell these 20 different things. It's like, ooh, I want you to sell one thing. Let's sell a membership in the middle. And then yeah. maybe you have some front-end products that deliver uh, an upsell to the membership. But really, the membership, is the core of the business is people paying you 150 bucks a year for your membership. That's your yes. business model. How you get them to pay it, we'll come up with new campaigns. We'll roll stuff out every quarter for it. But that's the core. Let's focus on that. Or if you're in a SaaS company, you want demos. Yeah. So the, the point of all marketing, it's not to go down to uh, San Francisco and ask tech people, hey, have you heard of our software before? Like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is that you jam up the calendars on your sales demo uh, person's uh, calendar, right? Like, just jam yeah. it up. And then Absolutely. the quality is too low. Then you work on uh, decreasing no-shows, increasing the quality rate. And then maybe some people flake and you want to add some automated marketing to help close the deal automated so the salesperson doesn't have to. So they can increase the volume of people that they're currently working a deal through because marketing helps them because marketing is yes. salesmanship multiplied. So you start thinking through how marketing actually creates outcomes for a business. And I'll tell you, yes. like anyone listening to this, here's a big CMO problem. 
that you would have. We have 100 people a week sign up for a demo and only 50 people show. Can you solve that? I would think you could. Yeah. I mean, just think logically. There's, there, there's about five different things that we can try for, for um, you know, how, how to increase the, the, the show up rate for the demo, how to um, handle people who have not shown up, how to, you know, what to do with those leads if they're completely unresponsive to, I mean, we can, we can take this in 50 different directions just by asking the right big question. And that's, that's yeah. the one question. If you solve that, I guarantee if you're working with a SaaS company that does demos, you solve that one problem and you go from a 50% no-show to a 20% no-show. Yeah. You are a hero to that business. Yeah. And then the so, next quarter, you do the next thing. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple more questions that I really want to fit in here. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to talk about the business of being a fractional CMO. So what do fractional CMO relationships look like in terms of retainers, fee structures, maybe for people coming from copywriting, royalties and performance bonuses, sure. et cetera. And then like as part of that, how high is high? What kind of income is possible as a fractional CMO? Yeah, great question. So my book really is how to build your fractional CMO practice to a half million a year. And I did that with margins. I think they were 90 or excuse me, 89.5% margins. That was after Stripe fees and after paying for a full-time employee to support me on stuff. I was working 30 hours a week, bringing in just shy of a half million a year. And I didn't get texts at night. I didn't get calls on the weekends. I didn't have to do anything emergent except for like, you know, emergency, like, through emergencies that are like, yeah. where, where you have a sense of pride that you don't want that emergency to happen. Yes. Uh, you know, like a crazy one yeah. is we had a, uh, this is nuts, dude. This is crazy. We had a w- website that had a, it was a WordPress website that had a plugin and that plugin got malware, uh, got hacked. And then that malware interjected into the website. The website then got that Google safe search red screen that says this website has malware. And we said, oh, shoot, we cleaned it up. We resubmitted to Google through Search Console. And uh, they said, no, the malware is still there. And we're like, oh, shoot. And we looked again and we figured out there's an additional file. We cleaned it up all clean, ran it through multiple cleaners like security and WordFence. And we were crystal clean. Um, We resubmitted to Google. It took them five days to take that red screen off. We lost business for five days. Yeah. You go go all in when that happens. As the CMO, you show up, you stay late, you figure it out. That only happened once in my life, and I pray it never happens again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing. Half million a year, you set your boundaries. Um, I'll tell you, we've got some members that, um, man, all different stages in life. You know, you've got the folks who have, um, uh, I can think of a woman who uh, is an empty nester. Her kids just left the house. Um, her husband works full time, and she's just like, let's crank it up. Like, I got all the time in the world, you know? Let's just make as much yeah. money as I can. Like, sweet, fun. And you've got other people who say stuff like, um, you know, someone's uh, parent had just died, like really abruptly. It was really scary. And they need to bring in money and work less because they got to be with their family. So they want to look yeah. for the highest paying opportunities in marketing with the least amount of labor. You yes. know, it, it just makes sense. That they have to be in a high leverage place. Uh, and then you've got like agency owners, two kinds, agency owners that are sick of having an agency and they just want to like, frankly, fire everybody because it's just so much labor to make a 20% spread on everyone's you know hourly rate versus yeah. agency owners that love their agency, but they actually want to get into bigger companies. So by being a fractional CMO, they can get into a big company, identify new work, bring that back to their agency. 
So you have all these different kind of desires. You have the CMOs that want to leave full-time. You've got the consultants that are sick of short-lived um, retainers, things like that. So yeah. there's two types of clients that I think they should get. Um, we call them engaged and advisor. And engaged is someone that you're working with like 10-ish hours a week. Okay. And that's the real stuff. Like that's really being the CMO. Um, I uh, worked with a company for a couple of years and actually just met with one of the guys who was at the company. And he's like, I didn't know that you were the fractional CMO. I thought you just worked 40 hours a week. And sometimes you like took off to take your kids to the doctor. <laughs> and I worked like an hour and a half a day for that client. <laughs> right. Yeah, but like yeah. I'm really good in that hour and a half. Like I'm very like all over uh, comprehensive understanding what's going on. I'm in and then I'm out. Yeah. Uh, and that's what our members do as well. So that's one level engaged. And then the other level is advisor. This is those companies that don't need the f- the kind of the feel of the full coverage of a fractional CMO, but they want someone to lead quarterly planning and then check in with them every two weeks on sprints. And um, that's the advisor level. So on the advisor level, I think you should be charging three to 5,000 a month. Okay. Oftentimes with a six month commitment, um, especially when you have your confidence, you've sold one or two, then you're like, boom, six month commitment if you want my attention. And on the other side for the engaged it depends on you, right? Um, if you've never sold anything big ticket before, 5,000 might feel like a huge stretch for you. Start there. Uh, 7,500 is a nice place. A lot of people sell there. 10,000, 15,000 a month. And those are then with recurring billings, six-month commitments, 12-month commitments. We just had a member. She just signed, um, uh, I think someone in the like med spa space at yeah. 12,000 a month, 10 hours a week. 12 month commitment from the jump, no trial period, just like locked in. So those are huge numbers. You know, she's going to bring in $148,000 from that single gig working 10 hours a week. And that buys her the time to do whatever else she wants to do, bring in another client or whatever. But you asked about what about taking risk? What about um, like what copywriters are kind of known for kind of that boardroom model of. um, Royalties. Yeah. Royalties. Is that boardroom in Stanford? Well, Who's yeah, there? yeah. Boardroom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they started it, but certainly. Yes. Okay. Sure. They're big. Um, so uh I love the idea of royalties. Um, my belief is that you should try to aim to get twenty thousand dollars a month in straight cash. Just get that. Just get that. Get 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 it covered. Don't worry where your next paycheck's coming from. And then you get yourself into this position where you say, Yeah, Roy, I'd love to work with you. My usual rates are fifteen thousand a month. I've got clients paying it. Um I'd be willing to work with you. How about we do 10 plus this upside thing where I get this percentage of whatever of the output of the marketing team over the current quarter. Yeah. And if that sounds good, then you can have a banner month. We've got a member who's, who's just mopping up money, man. He's just, January was his first payout on it. And I don't know the final numbers on it, but he and, a, he and another guy together are fractional CMOs. They did about $60,000 a month in straight cash plus upside. And the upside should be at least 50% of that. So they're looking at like $90,000 months, which is just bonkers on a two-man show. Yeah. Um, you know, no real staff. Now they're looking to staff it to kind of get out of some of that work. But what's really cool here is like, I heard from a member today. He said, uh, I actually just got a cold outreach from someone who found my LinkedIn profile. Copywriters, yeah. probably, I would have to guess, no one's finding you on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Because there's 10,000 hey, copywriters. It's few and far between, and they're usually not a good client. <laughs> Right. Um, would all you right, work so, with me for free for 90 days? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Uh, so you're you're a direct response copywriter. Could you write blog posts for me? Yeah. No, no, my friend Jasper yes. could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so a question that's we'll get to where people can learn more in just a second. Jeez, sure. I I, I want to spend the next like eight hours talking to you, but I'm um, here for you. So so I've gone through a lot of your content since getting curious. Like I'd heard about fractional CMO, fractional CMO. I didn't realize who you were like or that you were even behind it. Like I didn't. Sure. Um, but then I was like. I need to check that back out. And then I was like, whoa, he's like a Titans attendee. He's like all of these, like he's in my space. Right. Right. And so I'm just binging like crazy. <laughs> um, in the last week or so, I went through the whole audiobook and now I'm almost caught up on the podcast, which is a lot of time. Um, and for lack of a better term, you seem to be really interested in philosophy, like practical oh, yeah. philosophy, like stoicism, Buddhism, all, all of that. And I hear oh, that's interesting. It. you pick up on that. Oh, that's fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a little less like you're not pushing it. Right. But it's, I can hear it influencing how you think. Yeah. Um, and the episode I have I coming out tomorrow is called cultivating spaciousness so that creativity can come forth, which is like what we need, but it definitely comes from a Buddhist ideal for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's, it's funny. I've been, I've been like my, one of my big focuses for this year is like, focusing on what brings you joy, right? Yeah. Because knowing that, that that's going to lead to such a, a, such a higher quality output than like, what work can you grind through, right? So how do you feel like all this practical philosophy, Buddhism, Stoicism, all of that, like has uh, influenced your work today? I'm oh just... man, what a fun question. Uh, thanks for asking it. So I, I have a couple lines up, like I said, I'm, I'm on my board and I don't think I've ever read these to anyone. So I have solved bigger problems. That's the first yes. one. Uh, below that, I have a certain dollar take home that I want to make a month. And then I have my hours commitment. That's like, the, that's the headline. Like all decisions I make need to solve for that. That's really important. Um, below that, I have a, a line that says, no gods, no masters, which I just, I just, there's something about that, right? Like I've always kind of found myself in a position where someone has courted me, like an, yes. an entrepreneur has. They're like, I want you full time. So below that, I have a line that says, I owe my success to my freedom which I think is such an important line. I do. I owe my success to my freedom. My success yes. is my financial success, but it's also like the satisfaction that I have. Yeah, I the joy and happiness. Yeah. Say again? The joy and happiness. Like, totally. I mean, that's if, money at some point, like it doesn't change your lifestyle, right? No. But but the fact that you put boundaries around your week and you say, I, my plan is to work 30 hours a week or yeah. whatever, Anybody, whatever it is, yeah. number is right. But the fact that you are very comfortable saying, "Here's my boundary," and like, if this is a nine one one call for the business, then maybe I pick up the phone, right? Yeah. You maybe you have to text me nine one one so I know to pick up the phone, right? Um, but aside from that, like, that's being successful, right? Absolutely, spending time with my yeah. kids, taking my kid yesterday to the park, and hanging out with my daughter who's like two and a half months old you know while my wife takes yeah. our son to the doctor like all that stuff like living that life great um fridays i don't like working a lot on fridays you know so i took yeah. i started last year on my birthday and i said half day fridays forevermore so that's life and most days i yeah. try to cut out early um but i also have another line here you know i've got a photo of ramdas uh, i said it and then i wrote love everyone tell the truth that's uh one of ramdas's lines that i just think is like super special um, but like in all of this stuff, man, so like there's some depth to this that I love. Uh, 
I think at some level, like we're all infinite beings and we're all kind of like came from the earth, came from the universe in, in like this very kind of like connected way. And yes. the duality of that um, is that we also are individuals and we have these individual desires and, um, you know, like in Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, he kind of talks about like just being this version of yourself that is true to yourself. So understanding what those truths are, what those virtues are, and kind of contemplating them and acting in accordance with them. Um, I left a huge client. And then the first thing I did, it's funny, I didn't even do it, but it, it okay. It kind of like, what I found is that I'm good at a few things. I'm terrible at some stuff, dude. <laughs> Putting laundry away. No, like I can't yeah. put laundry away. I just, I cannot, I can't, it just takes so much energy, but to go do a marketing strategy call with a nonprofit, dude, yes. sign me up. I'll work nights and weekends on that for the joy of it. So yes. finding these weirdnesses in me, um, figuring out where I'm particularly good and then putting uh, myself in those positions, the feeling is that the work comes through me, right? And there's like a joy of being this uh, vessel of, you know, marketing strategy and leadership and whatever. Cause I just like really love it. And for yes. other people, I have a woman downstairs right now who's organizing her house. She's amazing at it. It's like yes. what brings her joy. And I want to work with her and we have a nanny and she's incredible with my kids. And I want her, her to live that life. But like for me, how I show up, I have this really unique ability to help in a certain way. And if I just do that time and time again, I get better. I get more energy from it. Uh, I can charge higher rates for it. Uh, I can create bigger outcomes. And then just becomes this uh, kind of opportunity to choose where you want to focus that power. Yeah. Oh, wait, one, of my, one of my coaches has spent the last however many years just saying, like, what brings me flow, mm. right? And so he made it a whole goal of like, is this a flow producing activity or not? And that's what you're talking about, right? It's about yeah, finding, right. it's about finding that thing where you have more energy after an hour, two hours of hard work than you did at the beginning, yeah. right? Um, versus, I, I mean, put my taxes in front of me no. and I'm going to be through the floor, Dude, right? Like the one worst. of the smartest decisions I made early in my business was just saying, like, I don't even want to touch bookkeeping taxes. Like I know how to look at it and make sure that it looks right. Right. Um, and I look at financials and stuff, but the actual process of that is just like, rah. <laughs> but those tax people that you outsource it to are uniquely wonderful at it. They get yes. energy from it. Likely they get energy from it. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the I trust the people who who uh, I send it to in that way. That yes, it's not just that they know how to do it. It's that not just the it's job. what they want to be doing. Right. Dan Sullivan calls it unique ability. He's got his yes. unique ability workbook, and it's the Colby and the Strengths Finder. And then you actually like send out letters to people in your life and say, "Hey, Dad, um, what do you see me as great at?" Yeah, it's like this really wild thing to get letters back from the people in your life that say, "I see you as this kind of person. You show up in this way. You're like this or whatever." You pull those qualities together, you figure out that's kind of your essence, and then you figure out where that essence can be applied, where you can deliver the most value. And if you're entrepreneurial, have like the highest, you know, income from. And uh, yes, like it's, pr it's pretty amazing, man. You know, it doesn't feel like work. Yes. It's like Sunday. I used to go from Sunday scaries of like, 
hating the agency life like oh shit i gotta go to work tomorrow to like now i'm like man is it monday yet like i can't wait (laughs) i want to get in and play the game awesome yeah all right so let's tell people where they can get more um uh, you had really let's let's point people towards two resources your book and your podcast um either way just check the links in the description if you're listening it's in the podcast episode description if you are watching it's in the youtube description um but what's the book uh you know and where where can i go why why should i get it where can i go to get it sure um and then the podcast too yeah so the book's everywhere but you can get it from us uh my publisher let us sell it a bit cheaper um if you go to cmox.co/book you can grab a copy there and Excellent. that's the digital copy and you can also grab the audiobook and then i also have a master class uh if you want to grab that that's about nailing your niche so if you want to just get started it's being a fractional cmo and kind of do it on your own um, that's a great first step to figure out the niche that you want to be in. Cause I'll tell you, there are some great niches and some terrible niches, and then also different levels in the niche. Um, so you got to make sure you're in the right place where you're not, or, or you're charging a price at which the company thinks it should cost to solve their problem. Uh, I love like, that, that lens. Um, it's, a, it's so important. I learned it from yeah. Deloitte. Deloitte said it you, so, about their pricing. Yeah. If 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 a company says this is a problem that should cost us two million dollars a year to solve, right? And, and you're I'm like, man, just, I'll write that coffee for fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are not going to think that you're qualified and capable of solving the problem. Nope. Um, if you say, well, uh, this is certainly a two million dollar problem, but um, you know, I'll give you a deal of one point eight. And meanwhile, you're like sweating bullets because you've never asked for one point eight million, and they think. Makes sense. Let's do it. <laughs> right. You know, and like, and maybe the problem is you are part of it, but then you also have to build the team and there's also the ad expenses and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like, maybe someone's thinking 2 million, that's a crazy number, but like fractional CMOs in, in companies that do, let's say D to C direct to consumer stuff with paid ads, you probably yeah. want to be overseeing at least a million dollars a year in ad spend. Now yeah. I, I'll tell you, I ran um, $10 million a year in ad spend. I oversaw it for a couple of years. Never did I get into the ad campaigns. Never did I get into Facebook's business.facebook.com and go to the ads manager. I never did that. Yeah. Uh, because you hire the right person to do that. And that person reports to you. So you do want to be in that place where the problem that you're solving is, you know, it's million dollar problems. It just is. I'll just tell you like the problems just have more downstream effects when you solve them. And you have to think through that. And that's what you're paid for is thinking of what happens if we do this and how does that roll downstream instead of um, maybe just the immediacy of use click funnels, you know? <laughs> yes. So awesome. The best place to start is cmox.co. I mistyped it as com before. So it's cmx or I'm sorry, cmox.co slash book to get yep. the book. And also the Fractional CMO Show, if you'd want more of a conversational uh, talking to and and uh, Casey's latest musings. Yeah, um, stuff that I'm learning kind of day to day, things that are valuable. Just recently did a, a fun episode on like the Streisand effect and like how that gets applied to business. Um, yeah, my, my core belief is that it is inevitable for the person who's committed to doing the work, doing the prospecting, doing the selling, doing the servicing, to build a half million dollar year fractional CMO business. Depending on where you are, that could happen very fast, right? We have a member, he came in, it's crazy, like within seven days, $10,000 client, 
got another one at 12. And then I just got an email from him today that I got another one at 10. Like the dude's well on his way, but he's anomalous. Yeah. Okay. He's anomalous. He's not like everybody else. Then I could think of a, another woman who built up, uh, she got $35,000 a month in recurring business. It took her six months to build that. But it is inevitable if you're willing to commit to do the work that you will be able to create a half million dollar year business. That, that's my belief. But you have to be willing to do the work and be honest with yourself about where you truly have limitations. I can't, I don't want to oversell that like you can start selling $15,000 a month contracts tomorrow. But I'm sure some people listening to this, Roy, could, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you certainly could, no sweat. Um, there's other people of your caliber that are listening. They're like, yeah, I could do it. And other people are saying, shit, I don't know if I could sell $2,000. So you got to get, you got to identify where you are and just keep moving up to the next level and then just surround yourself with the people that are doing it. And the reason yeah. I think you and I have reconnected now after Titans in many ways is because we went to Titans. Yeah. Right. Like you surrounded yourself with those people and then you kind of see those buddies over the years and you see who's growing and you see who falls off and you see why they fell off and uh, the ones that are successful, what they're up to. And, you know, you start kind of emulating some of those behaviors or more importantly, the way they think, you know, don't copy what someone does, copy the way that they think, and you'll have a similar result. Yes, because you'll figure out what to do with that thinking that's appropriate to you. Excellent. That, that's a great place to end. Casey, thank you so much for being on Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. And oh, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. yeah, And we also have a free uh, Facebook group too. Just uh, cmox.co slash community. It's the largest fraction of <laughs> Facebook group. If anyone wants to join that, I've got a bunch of resources in there for you too. Awesome. I'll, we'll add that to the uh, to the notes here. Cool. Uh, all right. So thank you, Casey. And to everyone who has been watching or listening throughout this, I, I've gotten a ton of value. I have a page of notes. I hope that you have done the same. I hope that you've been engaged throughout this. And I hope you check out Casey's additional work, the resources available to you for free. Like we're not selling you any. Well, there's the book. Like I think a book is free. It's <laughs> but, $9.95. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. My publisher won't let me sell it for less than that. But check that out. Um, I, I truly appreciate you for listening and sticking, sticking through this, uh, this next Breakthrough Marketing Secrets episode. And I will catch you again uh, next time. I'll see you soon. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.